Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Quick line and tries it, don't know. Long we over. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! McCulloch saved it in. Barry Ferguson does this again. This is a bit of an unusual Hamden Roar podcast today. We're not interviewing any former professionals and the voices you're about to hear are not those of Gordon Sheard and Ben Ramage. But what we do have is the presence of Graham Brown and Lindsay Hamilton. They're here to talk to us about the Hamden collection and the three Hamdens in the south side of Glasgow that are apparently a lot more special than many people are aware of, especially the first two. Um, so, Graham. You're the Hamden Collection founder and the man behind the Scotch Professor's Twitter account, which I'm sure will be ringing a few bells for people just now. And Lindsay Hamilton, you're heavily involved. You're the head tour guide at the Glasgow Football Tour. So welcome to both of you. It's great to have you here and I'm looking forward to learning more about what is right on our doorstep. Now, Graham, the Hamden Collection is in a bid to make football's square mile, which is kind of through the east and south side of Glasgow. Um, now, this all kick-started in 2017 when you found, I suppose, what is an artefact. It was an old map um, from the Hamden Bowling Club. So tell us how that came about and how it all snowballed from there. Thanks, Andy. Brilliant to have us on this. Um, I think, like you say, life's a journey and this has snow. That's a good word for it, actually. Snowballed. Um, yeah, I, I, my story starts a little bit before that, 2011, when I moved into Kingsley Avenue. So for, for those folks that will know it, beside Hamden Bowling Club and Kingsley Rose Gardens, um, there is Kingsley Avenue, so that's that little street. And I moved in there in 2011. Um, and basically my story starts when the there's a knock at the, the tenement close. And lots of people, um, lots of flats were getting their doors pushed and half nine on a Saturday morning. And I find out that when I open the, the intercom up and there's Hamden Bowling Club wants in to put letters through our doors. 
And I'm thinking, great, they're finally doing some promotion. I've only been in the streets seven months. I better go and see what they're up to, what that, what, you know, what they what the offer is. And I go downstairs and they, they hand me a letter and they say, Do you want one? And I was like, okay, okay, what is it? And it literally the letter said, big bold letters, Hamden Bowling Club, use it or lose it. And I thought, oof. And it basically talked about dwindling membership, dwindling committee, and the AGM it nearly shut. And that was quite a wake-up call because they were basically saying to the, the residents, if you don't do something, this brilliant bowling club in front of you may become a redevelopment, as lots of bowling clubs have, around Glasgow and Scotland have become flats, or worse, it becomes wreck and ruin and you, you suddenly can't sell your, your flat because you're an ISO. So one, you know, obviously that piques your interest. And basically my from, from then onwards, I got involved in the club, you know, went through the rank social uh, social <laughs> member talked and becoming the ham secretary myself after six years in the street, the secretary of a bowling club. Now I'd never read bowling in my life and when I'm in Glen North become secretary of a bowling club. Um, but really where it starts is that what they showed me as I went into the bowling club, they were sit, sitting there saying, right, you've seen that, you showed us three pictures and they said, here's picture number one, it's the first Scottish Cup final, Queen's Park versus Clydesdale, they went to now, 1874. Second one's first hand and it says, did you look at the roof as you come in? Look at the roof when you go back out and look at this, that's the first Hamden pavilion. And I was like, Okay, and then the, th the third one was a match card from 1875, Queen's Park versus Wonders. It said, wow. right, we've got you. We're sitting there and they're like, right, do you realise this is the first Hamden Park? And I said, what are you on about? Right, I'm a, again, Fife lad. This, what do you mean? The Hamden's a mile up the road, Mount Florida. That's where Hamden Park is. What do you mean there's a first Hamden? They said, you're sitting in it. They said, you're sitting in this pavilion. And in the bar area in Hamden Bowling Club, this is the Scotland changing room. So then if you go to the ladies changing room, that's the, the England changing room. This is, this is the first hand in part. And I went, you're having a laugh. You, you really are having a laugh. You, yeah, you no get me. Right. So actually sitting there like you, you know that, eh, what you're on about? First Hamden said, yeah, there's three Hamdens in Glasgow. I'm like, I've never heard that story. Never heard that story before at all. Just, um, just quick, just quickly, Graham. My, my internet connection was a bit funny just a moment ago, and I missed who it was that was telling you this. So, so the, there was one of the committee members, Alec Gray. Right. Okay. Uh, been in the club. He must have told this story to every person that had come into the bowling club that this is the first Hamden Park. Um, so Alec Gray was one of the committee members, and basically he was he was saying this the first time. He says, "But we have one big problem." I said, "What's that?" He says, "No one believes us." <laughs> and of course my reaction to that was well that's quite a big problem right if no one believes you why does no one believe you we don't have any proof we don't have a map we don't we've searched the library of scotland all the ordnance maps of the day you can go all the way back to the 1500s and further back than that you can go and look through all the maps look in this area but the first hand and you cannot find it referenced said it, it, so that's it, a problem so is, is it just based on Folklore then, word of mouth, passed down over the last 100 years or so? Yeah, so 1905, the bowling club move in. Um, it was renamed Hamden Bowling Club. And they told that story for, a, for over 100 years. Just generation after generation, they said, this is the original Hamden. The pavilion you're sitting in is the first Hamden pavilion. It used to be another corner of the Rose Gardens, but then it's ended up here. 
and it's been like that for, for a while. And we told that story to everyone. Unfortunately, apart from us telling that story, that folklore, as you said, no one believed them. And then what happened in 2017 was I got really fed up with being secretary for two and a half years, had done certain things. And we were like, look, to really get this bowling club going, we need to, to showcase it as, a, as the first Hamden as well, because then you'll bring in people and makes you interesting. There's lots and lots of bowling clubs in the area. The community has to understand the importance of what Hamden Bowling Club is. Um, and there was two clues. So, so no one believed them, including the football. You know, you're talking the football museums up the road. And if you went on that tour, they would say it's somewhere between, it's somewhere in front of Hamden Terrace. It's probably in Cathkin, where the second Hamden is, but we don't know for sure. So that's the story they told. Wow. Uh, and then two clues. Uh, Richard Robinson's book, History of Queen's Park Football Club, it says um, the first Hamden is in the shadows of Hamden Terrace. Now, if you know where Hamden Terrace is on Prospect Hill Road, so if you look up the hill, the, in the shadows of Hamden Terrace is quite a big area, uh, including Cathkin. Um, and the other one was the railway line went right through the middle of it. And that was the other clue. So the other clue was that the railway line went through the middle of it. And I went, well, wait a minute, if you've built Cathcart District Railway, there's bound to be a log, a survey map or something. There must be some other records. And I went looking in uh, the National Records of Scotland, which is Scottish Scotland's National Archive, and wrote off and said, right, is there anything between Mount Florida and Cross Hill? We know it's, we know that we went right to the middle of that. We know that Cathcart District Railway, the Caledonian Railway Company paid Queen's Park to move, because remember, this is Queen's Park's ground, it's not the SFA's ground. They, they paid Queen's Park to move from first to second Hamden. They levelled the pitch for them, so they, they built up second Hamden so they could move. Um, so it must be in the archive. And then basically one in March 2017, I got an email back saying, Graham, we think we found what you're looking for. We've sent you two maps. Uh, but we can't send you them by email because we're not allowed to. <laughs> so they're in the post. Now, what, you, what I didn't say was whether it proved the bowling club legend or not. It just said, we're sending you two maps. And one Saturday, I got another one of the, the committee members. He was a Queen's Park fan. And I was like, right, I need to take someone with me to open this because mm -hmm. we've got a real problem. We've got a really good story. Or we could have a real problem yeah. that 112 years we've been telling the same story and it's not right. <laughs> um, and then that Saturday opened up the map and there it pops out. You look at it and spin it around a few times, got it live on, recorded it, fake or fortune moment. And basically there it is. And it's like, and I am literally doing that. It's here. That's it. And it says football ground. It's got the, the grandstand. It's got the pavilion where they said it was. It was, And then the little logbook came in after and it said, this is a property of Glasgow City Council. The tenant is Queen's Park Football Club. It's got grandstands, pavilions, privies, offices, everything that the first Hamden had. Um, there you go. And you're thinking, one, proved the bowling club. The bowling club was right. Everyone laughed at them or gave them the, this is folklore, you're talking nonsense. Um, and we do say this on our tour. The world got so excited about it, it made page 16 of the Scotsman, um, 100 words. <laughs> but the first Hamden Park is the world's first purposefully built, enclosed international football ground and the template for every football ground ever built. And yet, it was Hamden Bowling Club solves the lost Hamden. And it, it was literally like, you know, and to be fair, 
wasn't who it was. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would have went, brilliant, thank you. I've got a wee, a wee newspaper cutting to put up and frame up and say, look, we proved it. And I went, we're not having that. So I, then eight months later, formed a Hamden collection and said, right, there are three Hamden parts in Glasgow. And there's been loads and loads of twists and turns and things that we've had to deal with. But a bit like your Hamden Road, it's like, wait a minute, we've got a lot to shout about and we're not shouting about it. We actually ignore it. We're actually near enough, don't want to talk about it because it's like, well, that's when Scotland were really good. Or were they? We don't actually know. We just know what's happened recently. Yeah. And where, where the Hamden collection comes in, the Lindsay and the football tour come in is telling this story because so people are starting to get interested in it. But what we've done is people are starting to go, I actually don't know why I don't know this. Near enough embarrassed by it and go, we want to know more. And like you were here, here the night, you start to hear stuff and you go, oh, you're joking. No, that's where that comes from. That's yeah. why, and, and we'll talk about the Scotch professors and everything else, but that map find changed my life forever. Because then I did lots of cool stuff after that. And then the Hamden collections just jumped from... Yeah. Bounce to bounce to bounce. Yeah, and it, it was nearly lost as well, really. If it wasn't for these uh, endeavours, and for for anyone that's a bit unsure on where this would be placed on a map, I'm sure a lot of you will have gone past it on the train because you'll recognise the Scotland Five, England One mural on the side of the old pavilion. Um, it's a stone's throw um, from Hamden and the Cathkin Park, just to the east of um, Cathkin Park, which we'll come to as well in a minute. So, well, Lindsay, we'll bring you in here. So you are the head tour guide of the the Glasgow's football tour, which starts at the Bowling Club, then goes to Cathkin Park and then the original Hamden. So how did you get involved in this? And it, it's to showcase how Scotland invented the modern game and take it from there. Yeah, so, I mean, I set up the football tour um, in January 2019. I think I had my first one in March. Graham was on it. Um, he came on my first driven tour. Um, that basically started because I was chronically unhappy with, with life <laughs> and was like, this can't be, a, I can't just like clock in and sit in front of a, a screen for um, eight hours a day. Um, so, and I really wanted to do something in football. I used to work at the Scottish Football Museum, loved telling stories, particularly about football. I really thrived, apparently, with a crowd in front of me. And that's not sound pig-headed. It just felt right. Something just clicked. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to meet visitors and football fans from all over the world. And I want to tell them about Glasgow and about Hamden and, you know, Celtic and Rangers and Partick Thistle and Queen's Park and everything. And anything, any sort of story that comes out here, I want to tell them about it. Um, so I sat at my, my desk job uh, in Hamden, actually, the third hand, <laughs> um, typing away, feeling miserable. And... Um, I just one day it just kind of hit me. I kept I kept bumping into tourists, um, and you know, saying, you know, have you been to Ibrox today? Have you been to South Park? And they're like, no, no, we could only do one. We only had time to do one. And I was like, that's ridiculous because you can get around Glasgow in thirty minutes on a motor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when it came to me. I was like, that's the problem you need to solve. And I came up with the Glasgow Football Tour. And I came home that night. I wrote all this stuff on a piece of paper. Um, Glasgow Football Tour. And I was like, logo, insurance, website. And it was just a list of kind of to-dos yeah. and stuff that I would need. Um, came home, my mum was like, I'm going to start my own business. She was like, good, do that. 
It's <laughs> 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 like, aye, that's something that you should do. And um, was right behind us for, for day one. And uh, as I said, I had my, so I set up in January 2019. My first tour was in March. So it was originally a driven tour so that everybody could see the five grounds um, plus Capricorn Park. And um, Graham came on the first one. And um, it, this wasn't verbatim, obviously. It kinda, I think you'd actually introduced yourself before. I think you'd maybe spoke before, um, maybe over Facebook or email or something like that. Um, but he was like, uh, yeah, I'm Graham Brown and I need you to help me save my bowling club. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and I, I, having worked at the Scottish Football Museum, I knew the story about the first um Hamden or the rumour I, I won't say I knew the story that's a lie I mm. knew the the legend that everybody knew um that Graham himself was just discussed he knew um that that's where it was and that the pavilion where it is now is the was the old dressing rooms and that was always just the sort of rumour mill and we just ran with it. I'd never seen anything concrete about it no one had <laughs> until Graham did it so um and um I that's kind of where we met and I got one really good year, good run at it um, in, in 2019, my first year. Did all right, it was just driven tours at that point. And then COVID hit the year later. So that kind of scuppered us. And then just last year, uh, Graham, after a lot of pesting, even though I didn't need to be convinced, it's just it's hard running your own business <laughs> and doing a full-time job and trying to do this on the side as a passion project. But he was like, look, we need to do it. This is the time. This is the time to strike. Because I did a couple of virtual tours and they were really successful. And we were talking about doing the, the three Hamden's walking tour virtually. And then it just kind of worked out uh, in a really, really good way that um, we were able to get back out again um, during this like COVID lockdown shenanigans. So we set about doing the, the walking tour. Uh, we did nine last year, sold five of them out, which was amazing. <laughs> and um, we've got 17 on the go for this year. Um, and they've all been really, really busy. We've been yep. properly hectic and it's been really good. And um, I kind of think the more and more we do it, surely there's going to be less shock and awe, but it's not happened yet. <laughs> um, we are only in like a year and a bit, really. Um, yeah. So... But um, literally everybody that comes on, they can be the biggest football fan in the world, but they don't know what we're talking about. They yeah. don't. Nobody does. Um, unless you, you've been on it before and then you come back and tell everybody our stories. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not saying you don't, you're not going to know anything on the tour. It's not about that. But, like, the crux of it, nobody knows. Well, I love to see that the hard work paying off, Lindsay. It's, and it's a, a shame that it was stunted initially with COVID, but hopefully now that, We've reset and, and we're on our way again. That it'll just keep prospering. So that, that's great. Um, now I want to chat about the the Hamden Bowling Club then, because the first purpose-built football stadium in the world. You were saying, Graham, but and I'll, I'll I'll get things wrong on my way through this podcast. I'm sure, but that wasn't the site of the first ever international game. That was in the west end of the city. Is is that right or wrong? So the first international football match is west of Scotland cricket ground in Partick. Right. Okay. And that was a nil-nil game. It was a nil-nil game. Right. Um, okay. We but, actually did score, but they said it didn't cross the line. But we'll, ah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they hadn't invented uh, the goal line technology then. But, yeah. <laughs> no goal line technology then. But yeah, the first the first international match is in West of Scotland cricket ground, and then and just exactly that, and just to talk you through it, right? Why was it in Glasgow? Why was it in a cricket ground? And what day of the year was it in? So if we're to go back in time, what was the day of the year? 
What day is that? St Andrews yeah. Day. St Andrews yeah. Day. Yeah. So the world's first international football match, right? And if you, again, throw in some of these facts for you, mm -hmm. England had tried five times to invent international football and failed five times. It took, took two guys from Queen's Park. And again, a lot of people in a bit, over 99% of your listeners will not know that Queen's Park and a number of other Scottish football clubs were part of the Football Association before the SFA was formed and they eventually banned it. But Queen's Park were actually one of the founding members. 150th anniversary of the FA Cup this year, Queen's Park chucked in a guinea to, found, to fund the trophy because wow. they were in the first one. They reached the semi-final, 1872, March 18, Feb, uh, yeah, March 1872. And two guys from Queen's Park stayed down, um, Robert Gardner and David Witherspoon, and they challenged England to a proper football match because they tried five times to challenge Scotland but Scotland didn't have a Scottish Football Association. They didn't have a, a, way, a mechanism to create a team. So they tried five representative matches in the field, and it took the mighty Queen's Park, which we'll come back to. Queen's Park organised the world's first international football match. And when people say, I mean, this is the whole point of the story, is to burst the myth about who created the beautiful game. No one, and we say this in the tour, no one can claim they invented football. What you can claim is who invented the beautiful game that you play today and when you go back in time and you look at the first 30, 30 years of football it was the Scots and the Scotch professors which we talk about that created the game including international football so World Cup this year and everyone's bangs on about it only possible because two and a half thousand starting off with two guys from Queen's Park saying You've tried five times, you failed five times. We challenge you to a game in Edinburgh or Glasgow. You bring up the team, we'll set the template for it. And they hired out West of Scotland cricket ground because the first Hamden didn't exist. Queen's Park had played for five years and they challenged England and the England sent up a team and it finished nil-nil. Um, but Queen's Park created that, that match. They, they're the only team in history to field the entire first 11 because they played the entire first 11 and they were so generous as they gave them their blue shirts because they played in their club kit and donated that to the Scottish national team and said, there you go, we'll play in black and white from now on. You guys have our black, our, 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 our Royal Navy blue tops. Oh, so, so Queen's Park initially were in the, the Navy blue and then... Originally in the Navy blue, yeah. And they, the reason that they could differentiate Again, back to how you know what you, if you wear your Scotland top, the line rampant was stitched on by David Witherspoon's sister and it was to denote Scotland versus Queen's Park. So they'd stitched for the match a line rampant on every one of the 11 jerseys. And then what you were allowed to do after that game was to say, if you'd played for Scotland, you could stitch the line rampant onto your club shirt because it signified that you'd played for your country. Well. Wow. And eventually, that was, yeah, yeah, it was like a cap, but you could you could badge of honor. So you'll see club shirts from the time, and you'll see line rampants on them, and you'll be like, well, "Why is why is a guy from Granville or you know Clydesdale got a line rampant on his club shirt?" That's because they were allowed to do that. But then Queens Park gifted that to the. That's what becomes the national jump, wow. the national jersey. So that's eighteen seventy two. So that's just one of the things we start to say. Well, wait a minute. 
how could a wee team called Queen's Park, after five years of creation, create international football? A founding member of the, the FA Cup, playing in London and part of the Football Association. And then from that point onwards, Glasgow explodes because you have an international football match. And Lindsay, somewhere, I've heard 2,500, I've said 2,000, I've heard 4,000 people turn yeah. up. And everything, 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 everything goes off the back of that that match so, because it signifies the tipping point ignition switch for Glasgow. So that was um, the first one at the West of Scotland Cricket Ground. So what happened then at the bowling club, Lindsay, and how do the Scotch professors tie into this? So if they're being credited with starting the beautiful game of the pass and move style of football, how was football played before that? Was it kick and rush? Yeah, <laughs> like rugby. So the other great invention that Queen, Queen's Park invented was the, the offside rule. This is why we say that they created the modern game um, of football. Um, it's one of the most important minutes. It was their second meeting, correct me please if I'm wrong then, but I believe it was their second meeting that they ever had after forming, which would have been the original meeting to form as a club. Their second meeting, um, they changed the rule. So basically... Um, London rules, because it was different ones at the time, there was different associations. So technically, Football Association, which is a very good name for it, because it makes you think it's the first, but it wasn't. It wasn't the first unified um, association, um, because you had um, Sheffield Association, London Association, and Nottingham, uh, Nottinghamshire Association, um, amongst others. Um, so really, the Scottish FA also can claim to be the first unified association in the world. Um, but in the second meeting, uh, London Rules dictated that uh, any player in front of you, if you've got the ball, is offside. Right. Forcing you to either play the ball backwards, which is another well-known game called... Rugby. Rugby, yep. Or you're going to kick the thing and run as fast as you can to catch it which is, to me, it's like American football. It's mm -hmm. like your quarterback, but then you've also got to go and run and chase the thing, so it's a bit mad. Yeah. Or uh, you dribble. And basically, and, and you would think, okay, there's a skill to that. Diego Maradona, he went and dribbled around the whole team, but it was a different style because it was basically one ball carrier and then everybody piling in in front of you to try and get the bodies out of the way. Oh, really? Which is also very similar to your rugby, your yeah. American football, blah, blah. So it was Queen's Park who invented, you know, if there's at least one defender, let me ask right. I know the offside rule to look at it. See, when you're explaining <laughs> it, it's a whole different thing. <laughs> but if you have one defender in there between the goalie, then they're onside. Yeah. Which allowed then a passing game to develop because you could play that lovely angled pass in front of you yeah. and take it back and pass it out and take it back and, put and blah, blah, blah. And have overlapping runs and all the rest that that's so like your bread and butter and so synonymous with the game now. And that was Queen's Park show because they thought, well, this isn't it. Right. I want to move that way. I want to move up the field. And you're telling me I can't play to the guy yeah. in front of me. That doesn't make sense. Well, how, like how, now, how would Andy Robertson have coped in that left? left <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how, 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 would, how would Messi or whoever, Javi and S, whatever, be the best? It, it, it wouldn't be possible. It'd be a totally different game. It'd be rugby, but with your feet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, 
that that's uh, I can't remember what your original question was, but um, it was, it, it was, that's, it, it was that's essentially that. How, how did the how did the Scotch professors uh, the Scotch mm. professors oh, like, yeah. turn it into the beautiful game from what it was before? And was that pretty prevalent then at the the bowling club? Like how how often was that used as a first handing for for Scotland? Because from doing my research as well, they moved to Cathkin Park about ten years or so after that game. So it was six games. Um, we've got a hundred percent record um, there. Um, it's very very been very fortunate for us. Um, three games three games against Wales, three games against England. Graham, I'll let you take the results because I won't. I know I won't remember them, but so, you've, you're usually quite good with yeah, them. Yeah, so 1878, we beat England first time at first Hamden, 7-2. Yeah. 1880, we cuffed them 5-4, should have been a lot more. And in 1882, we beat them 5-1, which is the Mural game. However, at the same time, we beat Wales 9-0, 5-0, 5-1. So it's 36 goals for and six against, I think. Six, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of sixes, but six games, six wins. It was a brilliant, it was a brilliant phrase built. Craig Stewart actually does, he's a freelance journalist and he called it the Tartan Fortress. Yeah. And that name is stuck forever because what's important about the first Hamden is it's where England gave up trying to play that dribbling a 1-1-8 formation football that they were playing because the Southern amateurs at the time realised they couldn't compete. Why were they getting murdered? And there's no better word for it, murdered. Because the year before the 5-1 game, we went down to the Kennington Oval. So you've got a first hand in, you've got the world's first enclosed football, football ground. It's been in existence. Queen's Park built it in 1873. Eight years later, Queen, uh, Scotland are down at Kennington Oval. So you know the Oval in cricket world? Mm-hmm. That's where they played. There's no such thing as Wembley to 1923. There is no national football stadium of England till 1923, and they basically inherit it from the, the Empire Games. So there is no national purpose-built international football ground for England. And we go down there, and there's a young guy called Andrew Watson steps out in the field and he creates a few historical milestones. World's first black international footballer, world's first black international captain. He also was an administrator and he leads out Scotland to hump England 6-1 in England, and today it's still England's greatest ever defeat on home soil, dished out by Scotland, because they were playing the game you play today, not the game they were playing, because if you go for the first, I think, first 20 years of Scotland versus England, I think England only win three times, I think, and they're really the early years. Scotland go on a run, when they're beating everyone, and that's why they became known as the Scotch professors, because they were beating everyone because everyone else was trying to catch up. And how, how did this work its way around the world and across the oceans then? Because it would have been a lot harder back then than it, than it is you today. There's no such thing as YouTube and WhatsApp. So how did this uh, transpire? What's up? That would have been great. <laughs> Are we selfie? Are we Scotch professor selfie? <laughs> That would have been bro. Well, um, in the changing room after the game, all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, so basically, we, we, we covered eleven people, but there's so many that you could probably go through. There's probably ones as well that me and Graham haven't even covered yet or discovered. Um, but basically, the Scotch pressers to 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 put this point in first, you don't need to be Scottish to be a Scottish professor. Just want to put that out there first. 
there just has to be it, it's the way that we play and it was the way that they took this game around the world and they taught nations how to play it um, so there's a list that we do we do like a, a Scottish professors um, 11 um, I don't know if you want to just go through like the, the whole thing but um, you know you've got Fergie Souter who went to England won the FA Cup with Blackburn Olympic they were the first Northern team to win the FA Cup now that probably doesn't mean a lot to folk but um, at the time so another problem with the London FA is that in order to play in the FA Cup you had to play in London so now we're saying Queen's Park got to the final and stuff like that like that had to they had to make that journey down mm-hmm. um, so it was quite an achievement that they were the kind of the first ones to do it Fergie Suters for Glasgow mm-hmm. and if you go if you if you're on Netflix if you've got Netflix there's a a programme called The English Game. I've actually never watched it because I can't stand that they call it The English Game. <laughs> but I know um, Fred Graham, and I did watch, I have seen a clip from a few of them. Um, and they, Fergie Sutter's in it. He's in the opening. I think it's the opening episode, actually, where he does this. And it shows you the moment where he's like, you know, what are you doing? This is just a rabble. Yeah. And he shows them, this is how you should move the ball. Right, okay. And he teaches this team up north, and they go and, take the FA Cup at a canter um, so that's one of them uh, I won't go through the whole list but there's a couple of favourites well, that, people, that we people really can, like but people can find out who, who these guys are online if they if they just have a little search on, on nah you need list. to come on tour <laughs> 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 no you would be able to no you didn't you would be able to but like we've literally got Scottish people who have went and taught Argentina how to play the game well, do you know what? So, it's, it's funny you say that. My flatmate's from Buenos Aires, and I was going to go uh-huh. and bring him in because he's an Independiente fan, and they're heavily associated with Scotland. Yes, they've got the Saltire, Jersey, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, so you've... Um, I, actually, I've, I've been meaning to buy one of their tops for ages. You've just triggered my memory. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you've got Alexander Watson Hutton, who's for the Gobbles, so the East End, he finds a, a school, creates a you know, school in Buenos Aires, and he's known um, as the father of football. Mm-hmm. Thomas Donahue for Busby, the, he has a, a statue as well um, in Rio de Janeiro, is it? Well, okay. it's he's got one. The Bangu, I can't remember. Uh, Bangu, the Bangu Boys Club and stuff like that as well. And like, again, father of Brazilian football, because they yeah. went over and taught them this is this is what, you know, how it's played, rules it's of the just, game, It just spreads like wildfire after that. Aye. Um, we basically touched most countries and we did it in the USA, we did it in Canada, um, did it in Hungary. Well, and they were not bad. Spain, Hugh McCall, he's buried in Kafka. He is the first captain of Spain's oldest football club, wow. Sevilla. So entering the fray now is Mr. Sebastian Ongarelli, better known as Seba, my flatmate from Buenos Aires. Uh, just conveniently, Seba, we were talking about um, guys called the Scots Professors who were playing for Queen's Park in Scotland way back um, 120, 30, 40-odd years ago and took the pass-and-move style of football across the world. Now, you're a massive Independiente fan. They're from Buenos Aires, where you're from, and they are associated with Scotland. They have saltire on some of their kits. Okay. So there's an association there, but also there's an appreciation where you're from, of how Scotland took football across the Atlantic Ocean. Is that right? Yes, yes, exactly. I think uh, uh, Scottish football and Argentine football has 
they both have a link, which is important to know. Uh, history was made back in the 19th century when the first Kurdish went to, to Argentina and, and started to spread the love of, of football. And, and of course, that you mentioned the independent badge, uh, which was based on that San Andreas badge with a, with the, actually the Scotland, the Scottish flag. So it was, it was, it is interesting to to know about this link between both countries. How, how much do people know over there? Is it something that you need to fully research, or is anyone that's a massive football fan in Argentina aware of this? I would say so. Um, I mean, you need to research, you need to know about the history of football, especially in both parts of the world, in the UK or in this in this part and in Argentina. But they all know what that San Andreas cross come from. There are there are um, players over there that have heritage from that part of the world, from our part of the world as well, because I remember we were talking about Alexis McAllister, for example, who mm. plays for Brighton. And the first time I saw his name, and that he was Argentine, I got really excited thinking, yeah. holy shit, we could get a player here that's uh, born and raised in South America <laughs> um, with a Scottish dad or grandfather, but it's generations before him. Yes, yeah. so, yes, yes, actually, you ha- yeah. there are three uh, at the moment playing football. One of one of them, Alexis, is playing for Brighton in, in England, uh, but yeah. they, they have a lot of history, uh, especially in, the, in, the, in Argentina, because there are a lot of British communities in, in this part of the world, and uh, most of the football clubs have been created because of them. For instance, at Rosario Central, which is Newell's Old Boys Derby, the, the first team that Messi played for. So, of course, uh, the, the link is, is a lot and, and it's exciting to know about all of this. Is there a, with, with Independiente, is, is the connection with Scotland purely based on admiration and respect for how it was brought over to Argentina? Or was there specifically people from Scotland involved with Independiente? No, I don't think that it was involved a uh, Scottish person and when in the, in the when the club was created, but because San Andreas was the first club to win an Argentinian league in the 19th century, they based the colours and the, and the flag and the badge because of them. So that is why they took that uh, Salter to, to take it to the Independiente. Wow. So the first, that, that, the first was, that was my understanding of it. So St Andrews won uh, 18 something, mm. 1891, 1892. They won the first, the first and, three. Yeah, and they were formed in 1905. And I think it was just that he's adopted the colours of the, the Scottish flag, <coughs> the Scottish team. So was, yeah, it was this, since changed to red, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was kind of my understanding. Was this an Andrews it. team full of Scots or just people that had been influenced by? So it's two two St. St. Andrews St. Andrews School, so mm-hmm. Alexander Watson Hutton, um, and a guy called Alex Lamont founded the St. Andrews School. That St. Andrews School set up the first, and I'm pretty sure it's the first league outside of the of Great Britain, UK. Mm-hmm. First league football football league outside of Great Britain, I think, is the Argentina one in 1891. And St Andrews School win the first one. There's five teams in it, and then that's where you get your story about Independiente saying they they're the they're the first winners. The the you know the St Andrews flag, everything about that. But you know it's back down to those Scottish roots. When you go and look at some of their names, I think the other one was Old Caledonia's. It's your other football team in Argentina. Mm-hmm. So you got St Andrews School, old old Caledonians, and you and you just work your way through. 
and and the, the key point for this was the football that had come out of the London FA was a very exclusive game of football. You generally they generally didn't like what was going on because you should be affluent enough that it doesn't interfere with your football. What Scotland brought, which had been playing for 500 years, was that when they went to places like Argentina, they taught the locals the game that they loved in an inclusive nature, and in Argentina's case, got a lot better at them eventually because they took the game. <laughs> Unfortunately but, the so. <laughs> but the roots of the game that they were taught was the passing and running game that Scotland had been playing for 500 years. And it was people like Alexander Watson Hutton that found themselves in Argentina and went, well, I'm setting up a school. I'm going to teach the local lads how to play football. And that's what created the first football league outside of the UK. Just spreading seed all over the world, were we? Is that really how it happened? Yeah, Uruguay is the same. Johnny Harley, you go to Brazil, um, you know, Thomas, Don- Donahue. Thomas Donahue and a few others. And that's only just scratching the surface. These are the guys that people know. Johnny Harley, I love the Johnny Harley story. We tell this on tour. And he goes across to Uruguay and he basically helped shape Penarol. And those great teams, when Uruguay won the first World Cup, they won two Olympic Games in the 1920s. The game that they were playing was the Scottish game, not, not the FA game, which was more like rugby. It was the Scottish passing and running game. And that's why when we talk about it on tour and say Uruguay, you know, Brazil, Argentina, America, a guy called Archie Stark, we had one of the American professors over, Archie mm. Stark in America, Canada, Hungary, and then you go into Australia, New Zealand. Now, there's bigger football games over there, but still f- soccer is, is big. And everywhere you go, you can trace your roots back to the 19th century and say, where did, where did they get that game from? And where they can get that game from is a passing and running game which was created on First Hamden by Queen's Park and then exported to the world and three and a half billion people play or watch the Scottish game. It's, it's sensational stuff. I mean, I've learned so much talking to you two already and Seba when he informed me about all this sort of stuff um, with Independiente when he moved in uh, last year to the flat. It's it's incredible. And I don't know if the what the situation is with the, the site being recognised by a body um, to, to preserve it and, and help recognise it and and publish it, I suppose, market it as well, um, give it the recognition it deserves. So where is it with that, with the, the Hamden Walking Tour game? So, so the, um, we have to fight this corner, right? Because there's an absolute machine, and we, we say this, 99.999% believe that England invented football. By default, that's the position it is. So we're, that's, that's history that's been talked about, or Great Britain, it kind of gets muddled a little bit. What we're trying to do is to say, look, we understand that. And I'm not saying, not, you know, this is not about Scotland v England. There are 7 billion people in the world that need to know that the game they play comes out of a little pocket of Glasgow called where First Hamden is and a few other sites, which is what we call Football Square Mile. So I've nicked a little bit of branding from the Football Association. Football Square Mile has in it more football heritage than any other site on the planet by a country mile. It holds the three Hamden parks. It holds where Celtic, and Sebastian will like this, Celtic was formed at St Mary's RC. You've got Flesher's Hall where Rangers played their first game. You've got East Howard Street where um, Third Lanark were born. You go Old Cathkin, you go all the way out to Cathcart Cemetery and you'll find some of those Scottish professors, Hugh McCall, 
Sevilla, oldest team in Spain, were created on the 25th of January at a Burns night when they all got very drunk Scottish expats and said, we better start a football team, eh? And every they celebrate year, it every year. Celebrate they still every celebrate year. Burns night. And don't forget and, George Patullo, the first Lionel Messi. He's also buried in Africa. Scotsman. He's the best player ever of his time. What uh, so, so these guys are, are encompassed in the Scots professors bracket. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is what we what we what we talk about, and again, it's so mind blowing, and we do two hours of this. Everybody that goes on that tour goes, What how why is that possible? So back to what has it got to do? Football Square Mile started off as a bit of an April Fool's joke. World's biggest open-air football museum because it's free because you can walk around it. So that's the world's biggest open-air football museum. Beats every other museum of a country mile. Also, it's got the Scottish National Football Museum in it, which is quite funny. So built a, a six, 15-mile wall around it called Football Square Mile. <laughs> it has all that heritage in it. You can go and do it yourself or you can do the football tour, which is what Lindsay and I do, which is around the centre of it and learn it and go, what is in the site? And then throw in the, let's go for UNESCO World Heritage Site. Because why not? Why not? Why, what is stopping Scotland promoting itself and what it gave to the game? Mm-hmm. It's not done, it's hardly done anything. Zzz, hardly anything. To promote itself when you go back to international football, Scottish invention. Football stadium, as you know it today, a Scottish invention. The way you play it and watch it is a Scottish invention. You throw in the crossbar half time. The reason that you have a season ticket is because Queen's Park invented it. And yet when you add all those things up in the offside rule, it, the biggest thing that they did was this two-man offside rule. When you add all those things together, you go the grand architects of football are a team called Queen's Park and the, the, the Scotch professors as they went through it and ended up in places like Argentina. Yeah, well, this is a convenient. Seb is uh, heading back to work now, working for another hour, <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, it, was, uh, it was good Seba, to have you on it was just convenient the way it all tied together because um, Argentina came up in conversation I thought actually hold on a minute in the room next to me right yeah. now I've got the perfect guy who <laughs> can uh, have a chat about this so uh, yeah um, now Lindsay we'll head from uh, the, the bowling club to Cathkin Park just slightly to the east now I think most associated with third Lanark rather than it being a Hamden so what exactly is the relevance there? Um, I mean, there's just lots of history still, still there. We try and um, used to last year we talked. I, I spoke a lot about the Lanark and, and their connection to the ground, but we wanted to stay along the line this year of um, <laughs> the general theme, which is we invented football. No England, we're better at it than them. Uh, <laughs> which is a bit terrible. It's a bit rotten, but um, it's it's definitely a thing that that comes up often. But really, we, I talk about um, you know the formation in our game, sort of modernising and the SFA forming um, the the um, the first league forming um, as well. Uh, that all gets discussed in, in eighteen ninety and how chaotic that was, even from the get-go, um, and that it was Renton, uh, the Renton secretary, and Peter Ferley, who got all the 14 clubs together, you know, and said, let's, well, 12 clubs, two of them two of them didn't turn up, Queen's Park and Clyde didn't want anything to do with it, they rejected the, propo- they rejected the proposal. Um, 
But you know, it was it was actually Renton, Mr. Fellow, that, that got all the clubs together to go. You know, we should form our own league. Um, the first league title, a lot of folk will know, some folk don't, but it was shared um, between Rangers and and Dumbarton. Uh, they played a playoff at Cafkin Park or Hamden Park, as it was known there, to determine the winner. Ends two uh, ends two two. Both clubs were declared champions. But it definitely wouldn't happen now. Uh, you know, no. your goal difference <laughs> and the games change and all the rest of it. And I mean, even even have that sportsmanship, sportsmanship to go back, well, it's fine. We'll just share it. It, it yeah. certainly wouldn't be a thing now. But no. um, it just kind of shows that chaos was right there from <laughs> from the get go. And um, in eighteen ninety, you know, we talk about Renton being the champions of the world at one point. Um, beating beating uh, West Brom. Um, was that like um, a like some sort of Super Cup champions of the world? I, so to be honest, it was a thing that was done before. Um, but basically, the the winner of the Scottish Cup and the winner of the English FA Cup. Um, they believed, you know, because they all lived in this bubble. Um, mm-hmm. and to be fair, they were at the time arguably the best teams in the in the world, and that was basically what it was. You know, the right. winners of each would would meet up. Um. Now, it was believed that Preston North End, they were a particularly good team in, in England at the time. They thought that they would um, win the FA Cup. They didn't. So the game was supposed to be organised with, with uh, Preston. And um, Preston never won it. West Brom beat them in the final. So they met um, Renton at Cafkin Park on the 19th of May, 1888. And they did, they, they, they named the game uh, the Championship of the United Kingdom and the World um, but really the big, again, and this is also another theme of it, you know, and we never really touched it in so much with the, the, the first international, but within the first international, and I will bring this full circle, um, you know, you've got the Scots playing this clan-like game where it's a total team sport, you know, we pass the ball, we pass it and move it, pass it and move it, I give it to you, you give it to him, and there's this togetherness, Whereas the English game was very individual. It was cowardice to pass and let the ball go. You know, you should hold on to it. Why are you giving it away? It's yours, protect it, keep it. You know, like it's something to own. <laughs> it's very, very um, mirrors the sort of empire, you know, idea of, you know, that you should be holding on to this for your dear life. I remember <laughs> not using our hands, we're using our feet, but it was like cowardice to pass and all the rest of it. So even fast forward it right from the first international to 1888, you had in the press made a big fuss at the time of you had Renton playing this amateur game because it was still amateur at the time. Um, well, don't know if there was, you know, things going on with the books, but you didn't, it didn't become professional officially until 1893 in Scotland. Um, so you really had this this amateur game, these, these Rentonians playing this old school game for love of the game against a team of mercenaries basically who were only there for the money they'd won their big trophy down south they were coming up here um to show off this professional game and this professional attitude to things and uh Renton battered them within an inch of their life and ran out 4-1 winners declared themselves champions of the world they had a sign at Tontine Park that read specifically Renton FC champions of the world and just to rub salt in the wounds um, obviously, they went and beat West Brom, who'd won the FA Cup, um, but they then invited Preston to come back in June, just come and play us, so that would have been what, the month later, um, and they went and beat, beat them 4-1 as well, just to prove the point. <laughs> and again, it was just this other marker, you know, it's, I know it is quite a funny story to go and say, aye, they called themselves the champions of the world for a wee while, and that's funny, but it mirrors this whole story of... Um, 
again, England, you know, this whole we invented it, football's coming home. Yeah. If football's coming home, why is Renton FC, who aren't even a team anymore, sadly went um, defunct, um, why is it that they're running your two best teams in the country, two of the best teams in the world that England have produced 4-1, 4-1? You know? And it's it again just comes back to this whole thing. It's one game, well, two games if you take the press and one then later into it. But it's very telling. And it's the same as what, you know, um the, the stat that Graham just gave of the first 20 years and they'd won X amount, you know, really, really low numbers. You know, it's even looking at things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the stats, if you look at the, the results, how can you possibly say, that you invented this game if you were getting pummeled by Scotland <laughs> national team and Scottish clubs at the time. Well, that was that was where Scotland would have played their games, Graham, for about 20 years. Am I right in thinking that? 84 to 1903. Yeah, so yeah. any particularly notable events there in the dark blue shirts? I, th- I think the, um, you know, one of the interesting parts that we tell in the Cathkin story is it's second Hamden became the third biggest um, stadium in the world and people go oh that must have been really good yeah it was only beaten by Ibrox and Celtic Park right <laughs> so the reason that the reason that rain, reason that third handing comes about is because the, the, the national games start going to Ibrox and Celtic Park because they're a much bigger they're a much bigger stadium suddenly Ibrox is 40 50,000 Cathkin second handing as it was then was only 25,000 its record. So they suddenly had outgrown it and they went, hod the bus. We're not. We are they were called the glorious, the glorious hoops. They were the senior team. Queen's Park were, were seen at the time as Scotland's most important, Scotland's greatest team. They were the best team in the world. They were seen as that, the most important team in the world at the time. So what do they go and do? They go up to the 1903, the shift, and they go up to the third handing and they build the world's biggest football stadium so now it goes third hand in Ibrox Celtic Park so the three biggest stadiums on the planet at the turn of the century were in Glasgow and when you come back to second hand and you go run that story my favourite one and I'm going to let Lindsay tell this is the story of where the English Football League comes from because no one knows that story because if I were to ask you we'll ask this quiz question of you Andy Right. Who created the football league in England? The, the, the football yeah, league, the, the EFL. I would assume that yeah. it would be um, a bunch of English clubs. In fact, I was at Pride Park yesterday, and in their reception, they have founding member eighteen eighty eight um, EFL uh, Derby. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But apart from that, I couldn't tell you. Okay. Cracks knuckles. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the English football league was formed by a man from Braco in Persia in the name of William McGregor. So he's a Scotsman. He was a football administrator. Uh, he was director at Aston Villa Football Club, uh, which was formed in 1874. He was continuously, constantly frustrated at um, regular cancellation of games. Couldn't get a Aston Villa match going for love nor money. And it was him that organised a meeting between the leading clubs in England, including uh, who you've just mentioned there, to establish the English Football League in 1888. So a Scotsman from Perthshire invented the first football 
leak in the world. And the fixture. created the guaranteed <laughs> fixture list and was like really that's really the instrument in the mm. transition from amateur to professionalism, or a, a big instrument towards it. So when everybody's putting their bookie bets on at the weekend, William McGregor, everybody scans through BBC Sport, what's on the night, that fixture list was created by a Scotsman for Scotland. Wow. William but, McGregor. But, but, and he's got a big statue outside the ground. It's actually one of the most pristine grounds I've ever seen in my life. It's, it is lovely, Villa Park. Outside Villa yeah, Park. Oh. Uh, really, really nice. It's huge. Big, massive thing. And uh, we had uh, a private tour at the start of the year. Villa, not exclusively, but a lot of them are Villa fans. And I kind of had this content already. And I thought, oh, they'll like this because, you know, they'll know who it is. They didn't have a clue who it was. Wow. And there's a statue outside the bloody ground right at the front door. And these, like, these things these things sadly do get lost down generations yeah, and generations, you know. They and, can do. But yeah. as as Graham's saying, 150 years, we'll see how much is made of it at the weekend. Um who knows? But I there you go. William McGregor. Brilliant. Remember it's, the name. It's 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 incredible the amount of influence really that's come from you know, you know the way that um, it's very so Celtic fans, I suppose, so Scottish football fans, I, I suppose, should be proud that the first ever British team to win the European Cup came from a thirty-mile radius of Glasgow. That was it, wasn't it? But it's all it's, Scottish. Yeah, and all Old Scottish. Scottish. But it's crazy to think as well, just the the radius from I don't know where, wherever you if you were to put a pin in the centre of Scotland or a pin in the centre of Glasgow to draw a radius from that about people that have then gone across the world. Um, to influence football, um, it's it's just absolutely insane. Yeah, it's a it's a story that 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 has hardly been told. So we call it the greatest story never told. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few people that have been shouting about this, and you you know you will heard maybe heard of them. Jerry O'Brien founded the Football Museum. It's a brilliant website. Um, that if you ever get the chance, ScotsFootballWorldwide.scot. Um. That's a, an amazing site of all the Scottish professors, um, one of the guys that, that runs that, um, who, who basically goes around and, and catalogues all this stuff. Andy Mitchell's another one. There are people that are doing it. However, what we've discovered is people just go, oh, that's nice to know. And they'll, they'll just go, all right. Or even I've seen some Tartan Army stuff today about why, you, why are you getting so excited about a match 140 years ago? And it's like, because you need to know where you came from you need to understand this story and what's starting to happen, which is brilliant. And I got, and it's funny, you're talking about Tartan Army and, and where they're going with this and how we're going to promote this and getting the, the Tartan Army guys involved in this. You know, they were having an argument, is halftime really a Scottish invention, Graham? And I went and sent them all the stuff yesterday and said, look, Graham, there you go. Halftime, 1875, the FA rules, it's Queen's Park that says stop. This is what used to happen. You changed ends after every goal. Really? The old rule. Like tennis? And Queen's Park yeah. said, that's a rubbish rule. We'll have a half time, and you change ends at half time. It's Queen's Park that put that in, the rule book. And when you see the influence of the FA rules over time, Queen's Park, there's a, I had to do this yesterday, 1875, was 10 changes to the Football Association rule book. Eight of them were proposed by Queen's Park and Vale of Leaving. Eight changes. One included making it either the crossbar or tape. Because it was Queen's Park that said, we've created, the, we will have the crossbar. This is what we want. This is what we did. 
there's a big argument between Sheffield and Queen's Park about who actually invented it. Doesn't it matter? It was Queen's Park that got it in the Football Association rulebook because they it, did say at the same time. But it was the Queen's Park guys that did it. It's, it's for these no, reasons it's, that you guys will say that Queen's Park are the most important football club in the world, regardless of their current standing. Um, and they, look, they could slowly be making their way to Scotland's top flight. Let's see what happens. Yeah, in the, in the big playoff, playoff final yeah, incoming. Yeah. Playoff final against Airdrie soon, which is which is going to be interesting to see if they can get to the championship. But re- regardless of where Queen's Park are now, they're obviously steeped in unbelievable history. Uh, and you would say that they are the most significant club in, in Britain, Europe, the world. Where, where would you stop? World without a shadow of a doubt. Important. Yeah. Importance and important word, right? <laughs> It, we used this actually, it was really funny because we walked through this at the, and again, we mix it up a little bit on the tour and we chuck different stats in, Andy, right? And I turn around to the crowd and say, right, who's won the Scottish Cup the most times? <laughs> What's the answer to that? Well, I, it's shockingly off the top of my head, I, I would have thought it was Celtic, but I think you're probably going to tell me I'm wrong. I think it's Rangers, is it not? Just Or Celtic Scot- just over Scottish Cup is Celtic. Celtic. Yeah. Then Rangers. Who's the third club? I will, I'll say Queen's Park. Yeah. They won it 10 times in the first 20 years. <laughs> yeah. and they haven't won a Scottish Cup since 1893, but they're still the third most successful Scottish club, Scottish Cup club in Scottish football in history. That just gives you one little ounce of it. But it wasn't, it's not just success on the field. They play for the sake of playing, which was Fluderi Kozaladendi, which is the, the, the amateur code. The fact that you play for the shot, the fact that you know, the template, and we always come back to the, 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 you know, the template for every football ground ever built, first use of turnstiles, enclosed, the ticket, the, you know, the season ticket, you know, they got the crowds up to fifteen to 20,000 at the first hand. And if you go back to England and look at the, the attendances at the time, they were low thousands. It was Glasgow, which was bursting at the themes, and, and eventually it became this football daft city. But before 1867, they didn't really have clubs. They had clubs, but they didn't have a Queen's Park. And it was Queen's Park that turbocharged that. That's why you have international football game built in Scotland, built in Glasgow. And everything calls off the back of that. Third Lanark's formed within a week of the first international. Dumbarton's just gets in there. Vale of Leaven. Vale of Leaven's a massive club. Then you've got Renton. You know, you, you go around all those areas. And it's the Queen's Park missionaries. Who, who turn up in the Vale of Leaven and say, don't play the rugby code, play the football code. And they do it in the West Midlands. They do it in North, North England. It's the missionaries that came out of the Queen's Park guys that set that standard for saying, this is the game you play. And by the way, it is, that is the code. However, that we don't really like the way those boys that say they created the code play it. Play it this way and you'll be successful. And that's what makes Queen's Park important. Because That's the one that stood the test of time. It's, it'd be boring. We, we do a little demo. We're not really giving this away, but we do a demo of the English code versus the Scottish code. And in that moment, you hear a massive penny drop with everybody, 19 to 20 people that are watching it, because we explain the difference. What, does, what would football have looked like, either with everyone in front of you offside or a three-man offside, which is what the FA were mucking around with, but Queen's Park at their second meeting went, we want a two-man offside, that'll work. Second meeting. Yeah. Because again, they knew, they were playing the game from their birth, 
you know, from up in the Highlands, but, you know, around Scotland, you had playing that pass and running communitarian game for centuries, you know, and we, we burst the myths, and I know Lindsay likes this, the first part, I burst the English bubble around how they invented the game because I tear it apart and then build it back up to say, that's what you thought coming into this. This is what you're going home with. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, the thing that, 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 that rankles people is, is like, oh, well, why are you talking about it? Surely it's a, it's, a, it's a team sport and all the rest of it. And it's like, no, 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 no. For 150 years, we've been listening to how England invented this game. We are going to spend the next 150 years telling you that actually Scotland invented it. And I don't need to convince 60 million English people I need to convince the other 7 billion people about like yeah. Sebastian, you're, you're, you know, he's convinced to say, look, there are, there are these routes between Argentina and Scotland. Why don't people know? And then, then people, and we always say this, it's not for, it's not our story. It's not Lindsay and I's, you know, intellectual property. Or like that. It's your story. Mm-hmm. We're just going to tell you it. It's up to you whether you take it away and going, and we do this with the Scottish Professor 11, it's one of the best things, we turn around to say yourself, Adam, and say, right, when you go home tonight, you just remember you're Alexander Watson Hutton, you grew in the Gorbals, you went out to Argentina, you founded a school you created, and you are the father of Argentina foot, Argentinian football, and Diego Maradona is a product of you. <laughs> and people go, wow, and it's been, so it's been told in a different way from what people would expect, and everyone that comes on the walking tour walks away going, wow, why don't we know about this? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just, we've got six and a half minutes left of this meeting, so I'll, I'll give you a few minutes to plug your, your business at the end, but we'll quickly touch on the third hand, which we've not done yet, and it's the one that the vast majority of people listening to this podcast will have been to and witnessed some amazing um, Scottish moments over the years. There's been European games as well, going back to Real Madrid, Frankfurt and the uh, the 60s and then more recently Real Madrid Zidane's goal in 02 etc but you know 119 years now Scotland have been playing at that Hamden um, has it, was it always destined to be that way Lindsay? Well I'm glad it remained that way I always say that in the tour as well because there was that shaky period where we were talking about moving to rugby town um, <laughs> so happy days we never moved to Murrayfield because no n- harm against them but uh, near against the stadium. I've been there for a football game actually, but um, it's not home. It's not Hamden, so uh, I'm very chuffed to say that it's that's what it's going to be. But I mean, I just love it. I've always loved the third Hamden. There's just something about it, and um, there's, there's just a character. Would, yep. would you, quickly, would you say that it, it's home is where the heart is, and that's very much why we all love Hamden. I think most of us can agree that. It could do a bit of TLC um, yeah. in various areas, but we would rather have that have it improved than move elsewhere. And I, I don't that, know how much I don't know how much it would cost. I'm, I'm not a financially minded guy, really. But seeing what some clubs like Stuttgart, Sociedad have done in Europe, where they bring it in closer, see if we could qualify for a couple of major tournaments in a row, and especially if Hamden is going to be hosting more major tournaments, and we have, we earn the money to be able to redevelop that, maybe with some help from the government or or whoever. Um, I think that it would be an absolutely sensational development if we yeah. could bring behind the goals just a bit closer and, and make it a bit mm-hmm. of a tighter knit stadium. Yeah. Um, I think that would just. I, be- I, I agree. I'm of that opinion. Uh, I, I get really fed up and folk are like, oh, it's, it's a pure nightmare to get to. I'm like, it's got about 40 train stations run about it. <laughs> like, you can get parked, no bother, all the rest of it. 
Um, so I've I've always got like a, a massive love um, for it. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely models to set on. I think because I've worked there, like people underrest, under underestimate it a bit. I think, mm-hmm. and I think that's beginning to change now with the success of both national sides, with the, the men and the women at the moment too. So the women have just started playing their their, their games this season, um, and it's made a massive difference. I think we are actually beginning to turn around and admire it and appreciate what it is. Yeah. Um, but certainly there's different models to, to look at and maybe with a, if we do a joint hosting, which is the next thing potentially come up, that might be where the money um, comes from. But you just can't beat it. It's had all the world attendance records up until 1950. We lost Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay, we've lost you. Um... Oh, I'd live it for her. So it holds every world record up to <laughs> 1950. I think it's your mic, Lindsay, because we can still see you moving and stuff. It's just the volume. No. Can you hear it? Right, you've got three minutes. Right, third Hamden. Every world world attendance record going. 1937, 149,500 people pile in to watch Scotland versus England. The following week, another 147,500 pile in to watch uh, Celtic versus Aberdeen, the Scottish Cup final. It's capacity. So, Andy, capacity is 52,000 just now. Yeah. It's, its capacity at the time was 183,500. It's actually it's hard capacity. to visualise that. It is insane. And it is so insane that it, it was the world's biggest football ground by country mile. And apart from the Maracanã, who's been at once in the 1950 World Cup, it's got every other domestic um, and European record going. And I think what you what you back down to what people know, I always come back to the Lee Griffiths free kicks. If you were there, the Hamden roar is loud and proud. If you get fifty two thousand screaming yeah. Tartan Army Scotland fans in that Hamden, it it takes off. Yeah. Um, so trying not to kill the soul of it. It is a bowl. It's the way it's always been. There's always room for improvement. I'm sure somebody much cleverer than me will hopefully redevelop it. Um, but it's got to stay where it is because it's so important. Yeah. Now, if we get Lindsay back, just give us a shout. Um, it looks like she's trying to talk. Unfortunately, we can't hear her. She's shaking her head now. Oh, Lindsay, that's a shame. Um, so, look, um, if you can fix it in the next minute, 50 seconds, Lindsay, that'd be excellent. But, Graham, just quickly coming to you, uh, a wee plug for the tour because, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly going to go ahead and do it. And I'm sure plenty of people listening will do so as well. So just kind of take us from A to B to C, et cetera, on, yep. your, on your tour. So the walking tour starts off Queen's Park Recreation Ground. It starts off there, goes Hamden Bowling Club, which is first Hamden, over to Cathkin, which is second Hamden, and then up the road to third Hamden. So it's a two-hour walk. Um, if you go to glasgowfootballtour.com, which is Lindsay's website, and go to the walking tour, all the all available dates for the summer are already there. There's, there's dates every month. They usually go out Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Um, and you can follow Lindsay on a Glasgow Football Tour on Twitter, GLA Football Tour on Twitter and uh, Instagram um, and go to our website, which is the one I've walked through. Um, it's a brilliant thing, you know, walking tours. Um, and I know Lindsay's got grand plans to expand it. And, and what our, the mission really is, one my mission is Football Square Miles, but I know Lindsay's is, you know, Glasgow should be one of the, the best football tourism, should be the football tourism of the world. And it's a you know it's that sort of that's where the two kind of start to meet and go. We need to promote this yeah. um, and do it. 
Mine, Hamden Collection, go to www.hamdencollection.com. Follow me, it's like you say, Scotch Professor at Hamdeners. I got that, that's me. Um, and then the first Hamden Collection. Brilliant. Right. Well, we're running rapidly at the time um, before this cuts off. So thanks to both of you very much for coming on. It's been a fascinating chat. Uh, all the best with your venture and, and hopefully see you soon. Thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers, Andy. Podcast Network.